Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, roadbikerider.com radio, and going the distance with cycling coach John Hughes. John, it's great to see you again. It, it's been a few weeks, George. You and I were chatting just as we were getting ready, doing the sound check about how I just got back from Santa Fe, saw three wonderful operas, went to the Chamber Music Festival, went to the George O'Keefe Museum. I didn't get on, I didn't even take my bike. Good for I you. I didn't even go to the gym. And Two thumbs up. When I got home, I felt totally relaxed, ready to do some exercise. I got on the trainer before dinner last night, did the best VO2 max workout I have done all year. And what I what I urge my athletes to do, and some of them do, some of them don't, is every 8, 12 weeks, take a month, take a week off. Do other stuff. Do fun things with your family. Part of it is you come back really relaxed. Part of it is in Carol's case, she's now ready for me to spend more time working out because we just had a great week together. So even if you don't like opera, George, even if the listeners don't like opera, a week off from time to time is good for your sport. Did you listen to Don Giovanni while you were on the trainer? I did not listen to Don Giovanni. <laughs> Actually, I listened to a Neil Young album, Psychedelic Pill, which is Good old rock and roll. <laughs> Don Giovanni would be great for an endurance ride since it's three hours plus intermission. Well, did you? How our topic today is uh, eating like an Olympian. Uh, did you fuel while you were out in Santa Fe? You know, there's great Mexican and great New Mexican food down there. And one of the things that Carol and I do when we go to the opera is we take a picnic each time. We have a picnic ah. overlooking the mountain. Oh, for three hours of opera. Yeah, so so picnics are, you can you can have a fairly healthy picnic, but I got to tell you, those Mexican breakfasts and lunches, those are not healthy. But boy, are they tasty! <laughs> so we we did not eat exactly like Olympians do. Well, let's kind of get into what was going on at Rio. I've got some notes here. The dining hall in the Olympic Village, it spanned the length of four Olympic swimming pools. Olympic pool, fifty yards long. I think they're twenty-five I'm sorry, meters. I, I think they're twenty-five meters. They have short course and long course pools, twenty-five okay. and fifty meters. But I believe these are twenty-five meters. But still, that's a hundred meters. 
And uh, we're talking feeding 18,000 people. It served 460,000 pounds of food a day. The food and drinks are free. And the centerpiece of the dining hall is a McDonald's. And they've been an Olympic sponsor since 76. That's true. And uh, first, first, an interesting note. Um, significant fraction of that 460 thousand pounds of food they prepared was not eaten and several chefs several top-notch chefs in rio were picking up the food the leftover food and preparing meals for the homeless great now that's great do, which is great now back to mcdonald's a researcher up in montana did an analysis of could you recover from a hard workout equally well eating drinking a recovery drink and eating recovery bars and so on, or eating McDonald's. And he found out that if you selected the right things at McDonald's, high carb, pancakes, syrup, etc., recovery effect was just the same as eating the, the specialized products. Now, the problem I read about with athletes is that's not what they want to eat when they go to McDonald's. <laughs> and a serious issue was Discipline until after your event or events. And then you could go have a dozen hamburgers if you wanted. Now, do French fries count as carbs? Uh, only if you peel the outside off so you're not getting all the grease, which is kind of labor-intensive. Oh, and that McDonald's outside fry is so crispy. And, of course, I haven't had them in forever. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you know, one of the things that we talk about is how milk is a good recovery drink. Chocolate milk is an even better recovery drink. Um, chocolate, you know, chocolate uh, sundaes, probably an okay recovery drink. So what are we learning here with this, that uh, it's okay to go out and get some fast food? After your event? Anything in moderation that you eat or drink is okay. Some things that needs to be a lot of moderation, like alcohol, but a little bit of this, a little bit of that isn't going to hurt you. Now, what the Olympic athletes pretty much all did, every individual had a specific individual diet. The uh, American... American College of Sports Medicine just came out with a new position paper uh, back the beginning of the year on what is good athletic nutrition. And they hadn't published one of these in years. And, and the thing they emphasize the most is it has to be individualized, tailored to each person. And they're talking about all sports, swimming, badminton, gymnastics, running, cycling, etc. So that's the first thing. Now, individual rider, individual athlete diets are confidential, but we do know some things. The Olympic Dining Hall had a database of 48,000 different foods that they were serving. Everything they served was in there. And you could look up how much carbs, how much fat, how much protein, and how much of the micronutrients are in any individual item. Now, the U.S. teams and a lot of the other teams had nutritionists on staff. I was like the pro cycling teams, right? They've all got a nutritionist there. Well, small countries couldn't afford a nutritionist, but there were nutritionists on duty in the Olympic dining hall. So somebody come in and say, this is what I do. What should I be eating and drinking? And they'd say, well, okay, what do you normally eat and drink at home? So what's your national tradition? And then they would try to find foods within that national tradition that would provide the sustenance 
that somebody needed up until and through their event or events. I'm thinking about the wide variety of athletes that are there. You've got, you know, extreme endurance cycling team, marathoners, uh, as opposed to real power-oriented athletes such as power lifters and shot putters. It's a wide variety of uh, nutritional plans. Even within cycling, you got the track sprinters, right? Yep. Pursuit. Relatively long event for the track. All of those power speed events, ATP is the actual molecule that fuels it. Instant, fast energy. Even if, when, when you and I go riding and all of a sudden we play Chase John, what you and I use initially is that ATP. And that comes from carbs. So even they are eating lots of carbs at the Olympics for performance. Now, before the Olympics, in training, power athletes are going to be eating more protein than endurance athletes because the power athletes have to build muscle and maintain muscle, whereas the endurance athletes, that's less important. Now, Team USA, uh, the national organization, <clears throat> put out sample diets for three different kinds of days, and they did not differentiate. This was interesting. They did not differentiate among kinds of athletes. So, first of all, for an easy recovery day. Now, we may not think so, but even the competitors down in Rio had easier days. So what Team USA is recommending is half their count, well, first of all, three kinds of days. Easy recovery days, kind of a moderate normal training day, and then a really intense training day or competition. And First thing they're recommending is you tailor total intake, total t calories to the type of day. So easy day, you don't eat as much. And that's something that many amateurs don't follow. We tend to eat about the same amount every day. And we might eat a little more on a hard day just because we're out on a long ride and so we're eating more uh, ride food. But they were making the point that you're better off matching caloric intake to, to how much you burn it. Now, the easy recovery day, half the calories came from fruit and vegetables. And I review every client's diet. I have them do a three-day nutrition survey. And maybe one in 10 eats four to five servings of fruit and vegetables a day, which is what you ought to be eating. Pretty small amount that people really eat. Second component, 25% should come from whole grains. So not white bread, but wheat bread brown rice instead of white rice. You can actually get whole wheat pasta, etc. And only a quarter of the calories would come from lean protein. So that's the easy day. 50% fruits and vegetables, 25% whole grains, 25% protein. Now at a moderate, a normal training day, cut back the fruit and vegetables by 10%, so 40%. Increase the whole grains by 10% to 35%. Lean protein stays the same. Competition day, cut back even further, 25% fruit and vegetables, half the calories from whole grains because they're more calorically dense, and then 25% from lean protein. Now, can you get more specific with this and let us know when exactly you eat those? One of the best books I've read on sports nutrition in years and years is by Dan Benardo, PhD. He's on the faculty of... Uh, University of Georgia or Georgia State. 
He's a registered dietitian. He's a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine, so he's got lots of credentials. And he's been working with Olympic athletes for 10 years. So his key concept is what he calls energy balance. He calls it thermal equilibrium, but we'll call it energy balance over a 24-hour period. And what he has discovered both through research and through working with athletes is if you eat three meals a day, you're going to have big swings eat a meal, a few hours afterwards, caloric intake is much higher than what you're burning. And then you're going to go out for your morning training session, you're going to be burning a lot of calories and not eating much, and then you have the big lunch. And these big energy swings, A, you don't train as effectively. B, interestingly, when you get into big caloric deficits, your body says, uh-oh, George, I'm starving I need to store some of these calories as fat. So you can see the implications there. So what Benardo recommends is eating three calories a day. And he's got a bunch of sample diets for power sports, for endurance sports, so forth and so on in his book, Advanced Sports Nutrition. But you boil these down, he's talking about three meals a day. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they range from 560 calories. This is for an endurance athlete at breakfast down to only 425 calories for dinner. Now, do you eat a 425 calorie dinner? No, I'm always exactly the opposite. I don't eat a huge breakfast. I often skip lunch and have a big dinner, which I know gives me love handles. I've worked with you, I've coached you, and you're not different from a lot of my clients. Rest assured that your sins are the same as others. So Benardo is recommending these three meals. He's also recommending three snacks of 300 to 400 calories each. So, so your snack is almost the same caloric intake as dinner. Right. You're getting almost as many calories out of snacking as you are out of meals. So then you might not be as hungry at dinner. You, you shouldn't be as hungry at dinner. And your energy flow, your intake, is much more constant, which is the whole point. So breakfast, mid-morning snack, lunch, mid-afternoon snack, dinner, before bed snack. Or... If you're the kind of person that gets up and trains before breakfast, pre-workout snack, workout, breakfast, and so on through the day. It doesn't have to be six, six meals. could be seven. But the idea is pretty constant intake to match the outtake, output, to sustain the output. And again, he emphasizes fruits and vegetables and whole grains because in addition to carbs, protein, and fat, micronutrients are important, the different vitamins and minerals, and you get a lot more of those out of vegetables than fruit and out of whole grains than out of uh, mashed potatoes with no skins and butter. You're better off having a baked potato with the skin on and chives or something, as an example. Or carrots, I love carrot sticks. I don't peel the carrots. A lot of nutrients in the skin, same idea. You're making me, I, I really need to live in my 18-hour training rides like you assign me every year because I do my ride and snack, do my ride and snack. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and when you're riding as hard as you are on your 18-hour training rides, your snack can't be as much as you're burning in your time on the bike, but it helps keep you in relative equilibrium. And I... Like this year, I always felt great all the way through. It was pretty amazing. Got to eat to ride. Yep. 
Well, so with the corollary, you got to ride to eat, which is why I do it. <laughs> Can you give us a more specific example of how you would do this throughout a typical day? One of my favorite rides, probably one of yours, is up to Jamestown and back. Yep, love it. Community very heavily damaged in the flood back in 2013. Uh, Left Hand Canyon is the first part of the ride. Left Hand Canyon had 23 areas that were washed out by the flood. From where you turn off up to Jamestown, there were another 15 areas where the road was washed out. So you've been up there uh, before this summer, and lots of gravel. It was good for practicing your road bike handling skills on the gravel. I remember you were careful about doing your uh, loops, your overnight rides, so you weren't descending gravel in the dark. Well, they've started working on left hand, which is great, except from 7 in the morning until 6 at night, 5 at night, 5 at night. Uh, there are one-hour delays. Right. For traffic. <laughs> which is, It's kind of ruined the ride to Jamestown until summer when you can head on your bike after 5 and have plenty of daylight to ride up there and back. So I decided, uh, Carol was down seeing her dad. I decided, well, you know, I'll ride up to Jamestown and see what life is like and ride back. And I'd met a friend at Chez Tui. We'd had big Thai lunches. I went home, worked, did some stuff, uh, and got on my bike about 5 o'clock. And just before I got on my bike, I said, now remember, you need the pre-ride snack. I love those little grape tomatoes, so I had grape tomatoes. Uh, probably a whole 100 calories worth. Now, the advice was three to 400 calories worth, right? But I had 100. So I hopped on my bike, and in the ride up there, I drank 24 ounces of one of the sports drinks that I like. So that was another 150 calories. Now, it took me an hour and 15, and I'm climbing. So I had hmm, probably not quite enough during my ride. Got up there, and they were having a town meeting about how to live with bears. And I talked to a bunch of the guys, just fascinating. I ate a granola bar while I was talking to them. And then I'm heading down, and I'm thinking, now, you're going over on stage, John. You need more calories. So I had another bar, 300 calories there. And then I climbed over old stage from the uh, north because I had to pick up my car in town. And, of course, didn't eat anything. And then when I got to my car, uh, I had another bar and drank some water. So over the course of it, from the time I got on my bike until my through my recovery, I had <clears throat> a total of 440 calories. Now, that was great. That was equivalent to one snack, right? Except right. I'd been on the long bike, relatively long bike ride. I'd only had 188 calories an hour. So that was not, that's not really a good example of how to do what Ben Ardo is recommending. So what would be a good example? <laughs> well, <coughs> just to start with, uh, have a much larger snack before you head out on the bike. Now, when I do my intervals at home, I know that I need to get my blood sugar up. So an obvious solution is a gel, right? Right. I found M&Ms last night. Ooh, and I had about a dozen M and M's, which effectively had the same, which had the same effect as sucking down a gel, but a lot cheaper and actually tastier. I gotta say, you have really turned me on to honey. Honey is great, absolutely. We didn't have any honey. I was thinking a teaspoon of honey. A teaspoon of honey makes the medicine go down. Remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I was looking for brown sugar. I was thinking a teaspoon of brown sugar would be really good. Couldn't find that. I found some molasses. Molasses straight might have been too much. But then I found the M&M. So first thing, much bigger snack. Second thing, more on the bike. I only had 150 calories in the total two and a half hours, climbing to Jamestown, coming back down, climbing over old stage. Uh, would have been much better 
to have 150 calories, 200 calories on the way up, another couple hundred calories up there, 100 calories on the way down, and then a much larger recovery snack, you know, something like wheat thins or pretzels or something like that for recovery. So I did, I, I understand all this stuff. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Really, really well, George. And I explained to you and I explained to my clients and I write things. And the interesting thing was I was consciously thinking George and I are going to do a podcast in a few days. I need to practice what I preach. And it wasn't until I got home and did the numbers that I realized I was still way short, even though I consciously tried. Wow. Okay. Yesterday I did Rabbit Mountain. I ate yogurt on raw gluten-free oats with blueberries, which I love. Great start. Yep. And uh, rode out to Rabbit, rode it hard, pushed really hard on the way down, Felt pretty good. Uh, Rode gravel sections back. Was going up left hand. And uh, when I got onto old stage, I died. (laughs) I ate nothing. I had uh, one bottle with about 80 calories in it. And I almost finished that. And uh, I felt pretty lousy the rest of the day and ate a huge dinner. (laughs) Well, you, you, you were a more extreme bad example than I was. But... I mean, you know the climb even better than I do, the north side of Old Stage. And, it, I mean, it's one of these that starts out really gentle and it gets a little more steeper me. and it gets a little <laughs> steeper. And you start looking at that and you think, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Now, I did not die because I'd eaten a fair amount. But I got to tell you, it was a slow grind up it. And I think if I'd fueled better, I wouldn't have been hammering it. But I would have felt like, okay, this is a good steep climb. I'm having fun. This is a good workout. Instead of, where are those mailboxes at the top? <laughs> And the day before, I rode old stage probably better than I have all year. So I was kind of thinking, oh, well, this, I guess I've really moved up. No. <laughs> As I say, you got to eat to ride. Or ride to eat in my case. But yeah. Well, let's kind of t- tell us about the men's road race. How would you fuel for something like that? Men's road race at the Olympics. Uh, the way I'd fuel is what I usually eat when I'm watching TV of a road race, which is popcorn without salt. Now, were I riding the road race... Let's look back at it. Um, Van Avermaet, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce his name, but he, he won. His, t- the, you know, his, his time was six hours, ten minutes, and five seconds. That's a long time on the bike. And he was burning, all the riders were, on the order of 4,000 to 5,000 calories. Now, that's about twice as many calories as you and I should be eating on a day when we're not doing much. Right. That's a huge amount. 
how do you get 5,000 calories? Go to the McDonald's. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you have breakfast at McDonald's. You start with those really small burritos, but you have about a dozen of them. And you get many sides of, of French fries. Well, part of it is right. You do eat a really big breakfast. They all eat big, big breakfasts, and mostly carbs. But also, you know, they might have an egg or two, something they like. But they're eating it a couple of hours before the race starts so they can digest all of that. Okay, so you are giving it a big gap because I'm always afraid to eat a big breakfast before a hard event because I don't want to throw up. That's right. But if you do it a couple of hours before, you've got time to digest it. Now, I remember a 400K brevet years ago, and I had uh, not eaten breakfast, but I was driving down to south of Denver, so I ate a lot of food in my van. So I was driving down, and I hopped out with about 10 minutes to get my bike ready, said hi to John Lee Ellis, got my bike ready, started riding well I had not allowed two hours between my thousand calories of breakfast and it was a pretty miserable first few hours so the roadies start big breakfast and then they have a gel or some sort of snack a little before they go into the neutral rollout now you may have noticed in the road race they had a feed zone this is the Olympics these guys are going to win two hours into it they're riding along the Saunyers are handing them up moussets with various kinds of food in it, uh, including a lot of bottles. It was hot down there. It was humid down there. We don't know exactly what they were drinking, but typically it would be three of those smaller water bottles, so 16 fluid ounces or a half liter, every hour. And it's still not enough to keep them hydrated. It's enough to keep them going. They're eating a lot. I talked about how I ate 188 calories an hour riding into Jamestown. Well, that was two-thirds or less than a racer's eating. They're eating 300-plus calories an hour. What are they eating? Well, they're burning almost exclusively glycogen going hard, which comes from carbs. So breakfast is big carbs. Snack beforehand is big carbs. On the bike is big carbs. And there's a term called uh, glycemic index, which some of the listeners may be familiar with. But it's a question of if you eat something, how fast does your blood sugar spike? So white bread, glycemic index of one, of 100. Uh, a gel, probably pretty close because sugar is up in the 80%, 90% depending on the type you eat. And we were all taught that it's bad to have your blood sugar spike because then you're going to crash, which is true if you eat a bunch of calories, high glycemic index, and then don't, don't eat for quite a while. But if you keep feeding your body instant energy, your body's happy. It keeps rolling right along because they're eating a lot of that. Uh, variety is important. On a six-hour ride, on, on a long brevet, George, do you just drink a uh, sports drink and eat sports bars and gels? No. What else do you eat? Real food. Yes. George, George and I have done these interviews many times. He knows the answer. Real food. I like peanut butter and honey sandwiches. I like little sandwiches with a slice of cheese in them and I mean I I love variety in my food I just cannot stand eating sports bars and the racers have a technical term for that it's called paninis which is Ah, Italian for sandwich but it's the same idea honey and jam Nutella and jam uh, sandwich with a little bit bit of cheese or maybe some Canadian bacon or something like that pastries the motel we stayed at in, in Santa Fe great place we always stay there they have this little, you know, motel breakfast, which has got little round pasties, which I call fat pills, but boy, are they tasty. 
Now, if you're, if you're racing hard, having a few of those, not the gooey kind, but having a few of those are good. And then later in the race, they'll go more to the bars and particularly the uh, little gel packets. Yeah, the little gel packets. Yeah, I like the gel cubes you can get now. Sure. Same, I, same, same yeah, idea. I like those. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, those you digest really fast. The other thing, uh, there is one drug that is still legal in racing. And it's, the one, it's the one I'm drinking right now. I've got my <laughs> caffeine. And there's a guy at, at University of Colorado here in Boulder who's done a lot of research on uh, different stimulants, uh, things that, you know, uh, banned and legal drugs. And his point is that caffeine has a much stronger effect than probably half of the banned substances on the world anti-doping list. Wow. So one argument is you ban caffeine. The other argument is you legalize some more. Now back to McDonald's. You want to guess what the sources, plural of caffeine, were in the sports village? I give you a hint already. I don't. They didn't have Starbucks. McDonald's coffee. McDonald's coffee and McDonald's sodas. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm never going to qualify for the Olympics, but if I did, I'd be taking my own espresso maker. Let me tell you. <laughs> You know, and caffeine is something I found out I can't take during a race because it makes my heart go wacky. That's good to know. Another thing that they, that they use is uh, bicarbonate because it actually will help buffer lactic acid. Really? Yeah. So next time that you're going to do your intervals, George, what I want you to do is, is take a teaspoon of honey and sprinkle some bicarb on it. Wouldn't that taste good? You know, I don't really care about taste. I'm going to give that a shot. <laughs> okay. I, I don't really care about intervals and lactic acid. <laughs> and then and then the final point is, for the pros, recovery starts immediately. The, the one good thing about my Jamestown ride is, even before I got my bike in the car that I picked up at Super Repair to get it repaired, is I was drinking the, the rest of my energy drink, and I pulled out my last granola bar, and I was eating that down. So I was starting recovery immediately. Uh, but they start eating and drinking as soon as they get in the team bus or whatever vehicle takes them back to the hotel. And they put down a fair amount of calories. And the rule on drinking is they weigh themselves before. Each rider is weighed before the race and after. If a rider has lost a kilo, that's one liter of fluid, the rider will drink 1.5 kilo liters after. If the rider has lost a pound, that's about a pint of fluid, the rider will eat 1.5 uh, 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 24 fluid ounces, one and a half pints of fluid. So however much they've lost, it's 1.5 times as much to make up all the fluid they've lost, plus start providing fluid for the rest of the day. So big breakfast, eat frequently during the race, at least 300 calories an hour, variety's good, and start recovery afterwards. I have a question for you on recovery food. Yeah, I obviously don't eat a lot when I'm on the bike. I certainly don't drink a lot. And when I come home, I generally will have a couple of pickles because I want to get the salt. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've really gotten hooked on this stuff called Zook, which is a probiotic. It's almost a coleslaw, but it's not cabbage. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I love eating that after a ride. Pickles are good. That's sodium. Really tasty. But there's no calories. <laughs> no, no calories. Uh, there, there is sodium and... There's an article, a pair of articles that are, are appearing now on the Road Bike Rider website. Uh, second one will be out next week, and it's on, actually be out this week, 
ran the first one last week. It's on ways of, of uh, treating cramps. And one of the theories has always been eat pickles. And a scientist has taken this farther and tried to figure out if there are other things, other natural things you can eat. So I don't want to go into detail now, but take a look on the on the RBR website uh, for last week and this week on dealing with cramps. Pickles are great. Now, your food, it's not cabbage, but what is it made of, your probiotic snack? Uh, it, it's along the lines of that. I can't, I mean, they have different jars of this stuff, and it's all uh, pickled, and it's kind of fizzy, and it's uh, it's great. I love it. Some some sort of vegetable yep, product. Yep, it's a vegetable product. Vegetable and fruit. Yep. Yeah, that's great. I, I go for the whole grain products myself, the whole grain pretzels, the whole grain oh. crackers. But same idea getting lots of calories and vitamins and minerals. Now, it's interesting. You you buy this in a jar ready-made at one of the stores around here. Carol and I were talking this morning about the fact that most people with normal jobs, my brother's an example working at the paper, the snacks you get are out of the vending machine or out of the snack room where people brought pastries and so on. And lunch is probably at a nearby fast food place. None of those are healthy, so how do you eat a healthy diet? Well, Carol has found some recipes for salads you can make in a, in a jar and keep them in the fridge. You can take a good salad to work. But yours is the same idea. If I take that stuff and I'll mix it with uh, noodles. Sure. I'll mix it with um, uh, quinoa. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing somebody could make that up in advance or buy it in the store and take it for their mid-morning snack or take it for their lunch accompanied by a roll or something or take it for their afternoon snack. Much healthier than what you can buy. Another side note, do you know what has replaced cigarettes as currency in prisons? No idea. Top ramen noodles because the food is so terrible <laughs> in the mess hall. <laughs> there have been a couple of cases where people have been killed for their stashes of ramen noodles. So, I'll meet you outside. We're going to duke it out. That was my favorite food on Ram was Top Ramen. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Now, what about eating for longer distances or people such as me who are now on the far side of 50? Same principles apply. Go back and I'm going to leave. I'll even go through them again very briefly because it's important. The, The mix. So, you want roughly half your calories coming from fruits and vegetables. That's four or five servings a day. And one of the ways I do it is that's what I snack on. I'm going to see you. I'm going to go to the gym. got to do some work in town. I've got along with me a banana and an apple rather than a candy bar. So half your calories from fruits and vegetables. Another third from whole grains. And there are a whole lot of things that you can choose from. You mentioned quinoa. That's great. Uh, brown rice, like I mentioned earlier. Potatoes with the skin on count as that. Uh Various types of beans, you know, garbanzos, red beans, black beans, and so on, all count in there. And then a relatively small amount of protein. And part of what's important is you distribute these across all six eating events, we'll call them, your snacks and your meals. So you don't just have a big piece of meat for dinner. You have some for breakfast, a poached egg, for example, rather than fried. For lunch, now you, yours has some yogurt in it, the one that you like? Uh, yogurt with raw gluten-free oats yeah. with some berries. Yeah, so so you're getting some some protein out of out of the yogurt. 
you're getting your fruit out of the berries um, and you're getting your gluten-free yogurt that's whole grain so again it's those three categories of food but some of those three categories at least at every meal and you're better off having a little protein in your snacks as well and then really trying to stay low fat and so this applies whether you're an endurance athlete doing long purvays whether you're racing in the Olympics all of those now as you get past 50 or even past 60 uh, first of all your metabolism is slowing down by about 2% a year which means absent any other changes you're burning fewer calories so if you keep eating the same amount pretty predictable what happens second uh, bones get strong when you work them hard and then they start to deteriorate if they're not worked hard just like muscles people with the strongest bones are the gymnasts because they're doing flying dismounts landing really hard huge stress on the bones and the and the body's response is when something's stressed hard you make it stronger but your bones peak in strength late 20s early 30s and then they gradually get weaker and part of what you need in your diet then is even more calcium than you're getting I happen not to be a big fan of milk I have 12 ounces of of non-fat milk for lunch every day because I need the calcium I do love yogurt so I have yogurt for breakfast so more calcium in the diet is important if you're over 50 now I mentioned earlier that I study this I write articles about it I coach people and to a certain extent I practice it several articles that I've written that are available here on the RBR website one is on eating for 100k and beyond so that for an endurance rider Another one is eating past 50. What did you eat as we get to our age? And a third one then is how to eat like a pro athlete, like a pro road, like a roadie. What can we learn from the people racing the Tour de France and so on? And part of it is the principles I talked about earlier. Part of it is real food. And there are half a dozen recipes in there for how you can make real food that is just as good. In, ter in, in terms of what it provides you for nutrients, it's as good as or better than sports nutrition products. Almost without exception, it tastes better, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. So you can save a lot of money and buy that titanium bike, George, instead of losing those love handles. And how about your website? www.coach-hughes.com. Click on the Resources tab, and it'll take you to the Resources page, and scan down about halfway and there are half a dozen articles on nutrition all free information there's even an excel spreadsheet called calorie counter so you can download figure out how many calories you burned depending upon how much you weigh how fast you rode how long you rode in terms of time and how fast you rode uh, how much climbing is the fourth variable and so when I said I burned about 1,000 calories riding up to Jamestown and back and over old stage, I plugged in those four variables for my 2-hour and 20-minute 20 20 ride, and it told me 1,000 calories. So free Excel spreadsheet that you can download and calculate for any ride you're doing. Now, the one limiter is it assumes you're riding faster than 12 miles an hour. So if you're like me and doing a long ride, it's going to overestimate a little how many calories I'm burning. But it still gets you in the ballpark. All of these things are, are ballpark. And if you want to know exactly how many calories you're burning, pay several hundred dollars and go to the, you know, the CU Sports Medicine Department to get on a trainer and puke your guts out at the end of it. But that, that's not worth doing. It, it, it keeps you in the ballpark. And, and my rule of thumb is 
on an endurance ride, eat about half the calories you're burning every hour to keep you going. All right. Our next topic is going to be uh, mental fortitude of an Olympian. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, I look forward to talking with you about that. Roadbikerider.com radio, going the distance with Coach John Hughes. Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 